Welcome to Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hi, everyone. I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 37 of our Nature Centered podcast. And man, do we have a special show for you today. It's going to be a blast. We have two very special store owners from out in the Rocky Mountain region. And oh, by the way, they're also radio talk show superstars. I like to affectionately refer to them as the Minot Bros, two brothers. (laughs) So yeah, talking today a little bit about Western birds and this Bird Talk radio with the Bird Talk guys. And, you know, if you listen in, you know, how does conservation bring joy and solace? So stick around for the fun. All right, Brian. Well, what's uh, what's new? What's been happening with you in the backyard? I mean, I know you've been traveling a little bit, so... Um... Back, backyard's been quiet. I haven't been home, but... Uh... <laughs> well, you're <laughs> a big help today. <laughs> if it's been busy, I don't know, but I was on uh, doing some, some backpacking on the Appalachian Trail, and really fun. Some birds were bouncing around. Really interesting. Just got to see a juvenile brown thrasher, which kind of surprised me, and early September uh, up in the mountains, but um, that and some of those fun little black-throated blue warblers. Nice, nice. Love seeing those. I know you love the call beer, of black <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and your yard? You know what? Things are changing. You definitely are seeing the, the transformation from summer going into fall. Uh, we're seeing a lot of molting. A lot of birds are going through molt mm-hmm. right now. So they all look yes. really shaggy and terrible, and you don't want to take pictures of them right now because they don't look very good. And uh, my hummingbirds are starting to thin out a little bit. I think my males, there's a possibility my male hummingbirds have left the building at this point. And uh, oh, one of the most fun things is the goldfinches. I, the goldfinches are chasing the adults all over the place. Oh, the little juveniles. Yeah. <laughs> and Lennon next, they, they love to do the wing quivering. They're probably the best example. They just sit there and quiver those wings want to be fed. <laughs> so, but you know what? Heck with our yards. We've got yeah. two really great guests with us today to talk all about what's going on in their yard. Yes, we have David and Scott Minot to Wild Birds Unlimited store owners. So guys, welcome. Thank you, Dad. Yeah, right what's, what's going on in your backyards out west? Well, well in, you know, in my yard right now, I, my Kathy and I back up to a wetlands, so we get a lot of nice. interesting birds coming in. Uh, we have a black-chinned hummingbird, adult males coming in. Uh, of course, lots of red-winged blackbirds are coming to the feeders. Well, and I just love listening to them out in the uh, in the wetlands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> just had uh, had uh, a wonderful year for the hummingbirds. But as John says, they are they are heading south now, so they're loading up on their fat stores to head south. Um, we have uh, oddly enough, we have pheasants that come into my Ooh. backyard. Uh, there are about eight pheasants that live on the uh, the wetlands and. And it's always kind of ironic to see him perching on my KitchenAid grill on my patio. Uh, but, uh, it's an omen. It's an omen. It is. <laughs> but I being, would be, being a game bird. Uh. Yeah. But they love, uh, they love my, my uh, quail block that I put mm-hmm. out here. Uh, 
nice. so they go for that very well. Um, lots of uh, sparrows coming in right now, seeing uh, song Ooh. sparrows actually mm-hmm. feeding at my Niger feeder, which is kind of fun. Nice. Oh, um, song sparrows eating Niger. There's a new yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been really enjoyable. Thanks, David. Scott, what about you? Well, I'm I'm about an hour south of David along the Front Range, and so I get some different birds and uh, more of the uh, suburban type birds. Uh, In Colorado, the Blue Jay numbers are highest from September through February. We have them year-round, but the the numbers increase dramatically in September, and so I'm seeing and hearing the Jays come in, and and it's always a lot of fun with them because they're such intelligent birds and being mm-hmm. able to watch them and know that they'll add color to the backyard uh, uh, throughout the winter is uh, it's always a lot of fun then uh, here we'll see both the um, American goldfinches and the lesser goldfinches nice. yeah fun and uh, used to be the lesser goldfinches would migrate south during the winter but I'm seeing more and more that stay all winter long and I can have both of them coming into feeders in the backyard. And some of my favorite little guys, the bush tits, are coming in. And they'll come in, <laughs> my gosh, 20 at a time. And they'll be on the bark butter bits and the suet cylinders. And, and it's just a lot of fun to see them. It always reminds me of a uh, marauding motorcycle gang <laughs> coming into town. <laughs> You know, raiding the stores and then taking off. And then 20 minutes later, they're back again. (laughs) It's about the cutest motorcycle gang you could ever want, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, one of my questions I want to ask is, you know, you guys have been in this business a long time. And actually, uh, Scott, you've recently retired and and, uh, are not uh, an owner of one of our stores, but you were forever. And David, you're still owning the Arvada store, um, but you guys have been doing this a long time. Would you mind if I ask how you got into this crazy business, especially way back when, when it was kind of, you know, thought to be a little bit crazy. You own a what kind of store? You know, <laughs> you're going to make a living selling bird food. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of that when we started out. So it was, uh, uh, I had owned the store for almost 31 years. Wow. Well, back in 1989, uh, I was practicing dentistry in Colorado. So uh, I had been practicing dentistry for 11 years, and uh, I I just did not see uh, filling teeth the rest of my life. (laughs) So we started, my wife and I started looking around for different ideas and things we could do, and we ran across an article in a magazine that talked about this. franchise, Wild Birds Unlimited. And this woman in Ohio was selling four or five tons of bird seed a week. And I thought, oh my gosh, how's that possible? And so uh, I sold my dental practice. I opened the store in December of 1989. Wow. Just had, uh, had so much fun with it. Just really enjoyed talking with people about birds. My background in biology helped me with, uh, you know, uh, knowing about science, because I was really excited by, about that, but I also enjoyed business. So yeah. having my own store turned out to be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, That's a great story. How about, how about you, David? Can you top that, David? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. uh, but, uh, no, my background was in uh, 
education and uh, counseling, uh, and uh, I worked with children extensively. And uh, then I got into uh, uh, sales and ended up in Chicago with my wife. Uh, we had uh, two very young children, a, a six-week-old and a two-year-old. Oh. And uh, we decided that we wanted to get back to Denver, get back to our home, and we saw mm -hmm. how much fun Scott and Sandy were having. And of course, in the meantime, they were sending us field guides and bird feeders and chimes and all of this stuff that really piqued our interest because out there we could see cardinals and blue jays and, and yeah, uh, yeah. lots of beautiful birds in the background, uh, in the backyard. And uh, so we, after watching all the fun that Scott and Sandy were having, we decided, you know, that that doesn't look too bad. I think we'll, uh, we'll get back to Denver. So being someone who has never uh, smart enough to be cautious, uh, I quit my job uh, with no other prospects in the world, took my baby daughters and my wife and moved back to Denver and opened a store and uh, we tried to find out if you could make a living selling bird food and we're in our 30th year now and I, I believe you can. Yeah. <laughs> so far so good. So, uh, yeah, it's been. Uh, Your wife hasn't made you quit yet and get a real job, right? So it must be working. Happens. You know, this is much better than working for a living, that's for sure. Well, you guys have actually done a lot with, you know, not only your stores, but, you know, kind of in the community. You guys started this bird talk radio show how many years ago? And it's still on the air and going strong. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was probably, we've probably been doing it 29 or 30 years you know, out. In, in some format. So really? first we started, you know, interviewing, uh, being interviewed by people that found uh, this uh, selling bird seed to people as fascinating business or interest in birds. So I, I first got my radio interview with uh, someone that was uh, uh, running a show and the first time I went on I was so nervous I spilled the producer's coffee and almost shorted up <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it eventually came to the point where I was a little worried that I might forget to show up at the studio because I was so relaxed about it. Yeah. But uh, in the different formats, we've done anything from five or 10 minutes within a garden show to our mm -hmm. own two hour long show. And we found that one hour on Saturdays, not only suits, suits us well, plenty to talk about. We're always customer driven and caller driven. People call in and ask questions. So we, uh, when we start out, often we don't know what we'll end up talking about during the show. But uh, the format that we have right now seems to work best for us and fits in well with the stores. You know, when you do a commercial, let's say 30 second, 60 second commercial, and you put it on the radio, you put it on TV, it shows nice product or you talk about nice product, do you say what your special is and here we are. But with an hour-long radio show, what we can do is share the joy of nature and the enjoyment of bird feeding. Uh, show uh, how enthusiastic we are about the hobby as our listeners are. And I've even run into people, I remember one time I went 
into an electronics store way back when we would put the uh, uh, radio show on cassette tapes. Oh, wow. That, that was and, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. So these are little plastic boxes that have tapes. Yeah, what is a cassette tape? <laughs> a little dark ribbon in there that's on spools and runs that's across. That's it. Yeah. So I went into this store to pick up a tape duplicator so I'd have a copy and David would have a copy. So after the show, I'd copy the tape. And this guy says, uh, well, uh, what are you going to use this thing for? And I told him we're doing a radio show called Bird Talk. And he says, oh, I listen to that. And I said, do you feed birds? And he goes, no, <laughs> I just listen to the show. <laughs> I just like the show. Who cares about the birds? <laughs> that's the best compliment you could have asked for. There you go. Well, that's it. And I figure, you know, he, if he thinks of a gift for his parents, What's he going to think about? He's going to think about Wild Birds Unlimited that is mm -hmm. uh, sponsoring bird talk. If uh, somebody down the street, you know, uh, uh, feeds birds, he'll know what they're doing. So mm -hmm. uh, we run into people every day who recognize our voices, although they think we sound much taller. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, more hair. Yeah. You mean they think you're only six foot tall? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We tend to. Uh, we tend to do the show more of as, as a stream of consciousness show. Uh, we do have planned segments like our our little uh, uh, Today in History that we do for about 10 mm -hmm. minutes. Yeah, that's fun. The show just to uh, go back into pre-BC times up to current and talk about things that have happened. And, and we think we're funny. That'll help make it more entertaining, right? <laughs> Except for us, anyway. It, it, right. It, you, you guys, it, it is funny. Believe me, if you, I would encourage anybody to check out Bird Talk Radio and, and listen because these guys are a riot when they're talking about, especially the, the uh, this day in history and some of the other fun facts and things that they do. But you guys, you guys actually latch on to some pretty special guests that come onto your show oh, too. Yeah. Not, some... not saying, not saying that I was a guest one time, but uh... <laughs> more than once, and, and that was yeah. Very enjoyable and, and but we've had uh, such we've been honored by having such notables as sir david attenborough uh, amazing oh yeah first, uh, that Doc was a great Lee. episode yeah the stokes have been with us uh, we've had uh, we've had uh, david sibley scott widensall uh, ken kaufman um you know so many people that are so generous with their time to, mm -hmm. to give mm -hmm. our crummy little radio show some of their their time is a lot of fun and uh and it's just been a joy for us it's it's been so memorable to so have I got, I, I, i've got to know i mean how did you get sir david attenborough and what did you guys talk about well we were underwriting life of birds which is one of the best series that's ever been done on birds it was on uh, the bbc and pbs and we mm -hmm. underwrote it in denver and I just uh, made a call over there to their folks, and I said, you know, we're, we're underwriting Life of Birds. Would uh, Sir David be interested in uh, doing an interview with this? And they said, oh, he'd be delighted. Wow. And so uh, we called him at high tea over there, and, and uh, thinking we're as funny as we are, uh, we started out <laughs> the show by Scott saying, uh, Sir David, uh, my brother David wants to know, what's it like being a knight? And he said, well... They just hit you a few times with this whopping big sword. <laughs> yeah, but 
when you're out birding, doesn't the shininess and the clanking of the armor scare the bird away? And he goes, it is a bit cumbersome. <laughs> and that was my favorite part. He just rolled with it. He was yeah. such a good sport. Yeah. He did. And, uh, you know, we've talked with uh, Dr. Uh, John Marsloff, who wrote oh, yeah. uh, Gifts of the Crow and Welcome to Suburbia, and Mark Masick. We talked to him a couple of times about The Big Year, the book that he wrote that became a movie. And, you know, we've even talked, I don't know if you know this fella, but uh, we talked with uh, Jim Carpenter, who wrote The Joy of Virgin. <laughs> Jim, I think, Jim, I think I've Jim who? With him. Yeah. <laughs> Carpenter. <laughs> You know, like the ant. <laughs> yes, we, we might have. We might have had him on on an episode. You mean, you mean the, the guy day? that's name yeah. is on my paycheck? Yeah, that, that guy. That guy. <laughs> yeah. We're still in the pandemic and still having issues, but we've just come through a year and a half where. Many, many people were in essence sequestered in their homes uh, for the vast majority of the time, working from home, et cetera, et cetera. And, and one of the things that we saw just was so rewarding, to be quite honest, was how many people turned to nature. I mean, parks were stuffed full during that whole time. Bird feeding went through the roof. People feeding birds in their backyards uh, was just an exponential increase in the number of people watching birds and enjoying nature around their own homes. What was it? What was it like? Did you guys see the same thing around you know your area and your community? Well, we did, and uh, we saw it at uh, during nine eleven. We saw it during the uh, two thousand eight uh, economic uh, uh, the challenge. Yes, and uh, we had a lot of people that uh, maybe had either been bird feeding before, got a little busy and hadn't been doing it for a few years and coming back to it. We had people that were getting started for the first time, but we found that so many people find solace in nature, whether it's, you know, you know, uh, going up to the mountains here, going out into, uh, into uh, wild areas or or just in their own backyard so uh, we definitely had seen that and it was uh, for a while it was challenging we were lucky that we could ship out product to people that couldn't come into the stores that we could do curbside pickup and things like that so we felt very fortunate that uh, we could help people during trying times with uh, with our services yeah, just help them bring that joy to them right where they are and where they're sequestering, right? And it was what we did with our radio show, too, because we did not talk about disasters. People came to our show to listen to uh, the joy of nature and, and, and things that were positive and, and things that they could do. It was kind of, we looked at the show as part of an escape, so uh, yeah. whether was on the two local radio stations that we broadcast on, the podcast of the show that we do after the show, the Facebook Live, or even the live streaming. I mean, we've had people in uh, from uh, South America listening into the podcast and writing to us. A man in China who said uh, he married a Chinese woman and they referred to him as the old fat American. <laughs> <laughs> He would 
he would send me uh, bird photos, uh, Chinese birds. He'd send huh. me photos. And, and uh, so all, all across the world, people would pick up with podcasts. And I know they do it with Nature Centered, too. Yeah, we, we, it we surprises that. us at how many other countries we have listeners across the globe. It's, it's like, I, I don't know why, but we do. And it's interesting <laughs> right. that, that, that uh, these people seem to come back and listen to us on multiple occasions, yeah. too. Interesting. Well, we have people listening in uh, places as exotic as Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, it, it's what has helped us build our show into the most listened to show on those two radio stations between noon and one. <laughs> You're going to have to tell us the secret. I mean... <laughs> Um, well, one of the other things I was going to ask you guys about, you know, I don't, again, we try not to, to be downers, but, you know, we've had a pretty hot, uh, dry uh, summer. Uh, actually, many years in much of the West, it's been hot and dry. And, of course, we've had some amazing uh, fires. The scope of the fires out in the West, especially in the, the, along the coast, have been unbelievable. Um, yeah. How does any way, of that affect? All the way inland. I yeah. Mean, through no, the true, central true. states this year, it has true. been just well, even, terrible. Even Minnesota up in the boundary waters along the Canadian coast yeah. has had a big fire this Minnesota, year. Minnesota, Ontario, all yeah. the way west to BC has just been crazy. How do you, how do you guys talk to your customers about that? How does that affect them and their birds? Well, we, we like to tell people that uh, they can create the backyard habitat that some of these birds may lose due to uh, wildfires especially, and uh, that uh, they may see mountain birds showing up in their yard. So you want them to get excited enough that they keep their feeders full, that they think of uh, mm -hmm. the four elements, that they include water in their backyards, uh, and uh, realizing that they may be providing habitat for birds that uh, no longer can find habitat. And, Often the sad part, I think, is that often these wildfires occurred during nesting season. They start during nesting season and not only destroy uh, habitat, but also destroy a family <laughs> that mm -hmm. birds may have started and how uh, people can uh, recreate that. Even, even in the Denver area, most of us along the Front Range here live on the edge of the plains. So uh, as we've built up subdivisions and built our own homes, we've replaced the plains birds and we've been able to create habitat to welcome woodland and mountain birds into our yards. Hmm. Being on right on the edges of the central flyway, Colorado sees a great variety of species. To date, uh, there are 514 identified species wow. that have hang out in or have been through Colorado. So it's more than any other uh, non-border, non-coastal state. So we're, I think we're like number eight, number nine on the list of identified species, but they don't all come in your backyard. And this is something that's going to be a little bit different than it is in Indiana and the Midwest is that uh, uh, farmers here didn't cut down trees to build farms. Mm -hmm. They were sod busters. They, uh, they had to uh, build their farms on the prairies and often they created little oases by planting trees there. Where in the East, in the Midwest, often forests were clear cut in order to, uh, to mm -hmm. uh, start farms. Mm -hmm. So 
the birds that came in came around the farmhouses because that's where the trees were now. In Colorado, the variety habitat means if you want to see anywhere near, not 514. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to guarantee you, that number for a backyard out there. Right? No, you got to travel <laughs> beyond your backyard, but it's easy to do. So uh, uh, that's, that's an interesting difference we see between East and West. Is there, is there things that, you know, the seasonality, you're talking about all those birds, obviously a lot of those are migrants. You know, do you guys give advice to your customers in regards to kind of what we, we term as being seasonally savvy, things that they should change? You know, do you, do you recommend different foods in the wintertime than you do in the summertime and that type of thing? Yeah, we do. We, uh, of course, recommend higher fat foods in the wintertime mm -hmm. uh, that have more fat and protein. Uh, the... Uh, the interesting thing about Colorado too is we have a lot of birds in the wintertime. We get to see birds in the wintertime that we don't see in the summer. A lot of people mm -hmm. are under the misconception that birds fly south in the winter and that's all there is to it. But uh, we get a lot of birds that come down from the north to our more temperate climate here in Colorado. We get birds that come down that can migrate by flying 50 miles from going uh, from 10,000 feet down to 5,000 feet and yeah. spending their winters down here. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as uh, being seasonally savvy with foods, uh, we do recommend uh, increasing fat by going from a, a suet dough to a, a very rich suet, like a super suet. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it is definitely all year long, you want to keep high fat, high protein foods out there. Of course, high protein foods are, are extremely important when birds are molting and they molt in the spring. And they molt in the fall. Many yeah. birds do. Yeah. And feathers are 90% protein. So you need high protein. You need fat because those little guys have such a high metabolism that they don't, they don't store it the way we do. They tend to burn it off pretty much as soon as they take it in. I tend to keep mine around all winter, uh, mm -hmm. my fat sources. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, so we want to have... If we could only fat. harness that, that bird fat diet scenario... Yeah, yeah, 10% yeah. Ten, ten of their body weight in fat goes away every single night during the winter time. Yeah, you that, guys, you guys need to learn to fly. Yeah, well, yeah. I've been trying. I've been trying for years. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to start eating mealworms. Well, I did start, and they stick in my molars. Uh, oh. Maybe that's a way to go. Well, your brother was a dentist; he can take care of that. That's for you. right. That's right. <laughs> but I soon, I soon realized that birds don't have teeth. So uh, let's let's go. focus on birds for a while. There you go. <laughs> this if you will you know you get a lot of people calling up and they want to know about you know nest boxes or they want to know what to feed this bird or do this to attract that bird but you also get some kind of unusual calls what what what, what are some of the more memorable calls that you've had we also like to have fun with our callers too especially if we don't have a good answer for them uh we had a woman call in and <laughs> no, said, wait 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 that would never happen right <laughs> yeah 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 well listen you to this all the answers right <laughs> This this woman calls in and she says, you know, I've got uh, on my back porch, I, I, I often leave my uh, flip-flops on the back porch. And this blue jay comes in and grabs one and carries it away. What kind of, what kind of behavior is this? And, and so I started off and I started saying, now, what is your shoe size? 
And she <laughs> tells me her shoe size. And I said, and, and what color was this flip-flop? And she tells, gives a color. And I say, now, was this the right one or the left one? And she said, it was the left one. And I said, oh, I see. <laughs> There's no way I had an answer for that. She started laughing. She, she had a good time with it, too. She had a lot of fun with that, too. Usually our go-to when we can't quite identify a bird species because someone tends to have a bird that no one's ever seen before. Absolutely, yeah. They can be a little brown bird with a red head and red breast, and there are 20 of them at the feeder, and they seem to look a lot like house finches, but they're not because no one's ever seen this bird. Our, our go-to <laughs> is it's an American white pelican. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, and which blend do you recommend to attract them with? <laughs> one, regardless. There you go. There you go. They're, they're suet eaters. <laughs> we recommend a koi pond. Yeah. There, there you go. That's but just a, such a koi answer. We have uh, folks who will call in, and, and uh, usually when we're just getting a little bored or something, we'll have somebody call in. You know, I put out my hummingbird feeder and no one's coming. And we'd say, well, what are you doing wrong? <laughs> and they don't know what to say. Right. I don't know. That's, That's why I called you. That's why I called you, yeah. Well, yeah. do you have it outside? No. Because outside yeah. is good. Inside, they're probably not going to find it. That's right. And you put any nectar in it because having something in the feeder is going to attract birds more. <laughs> Start with the basics. Start with the basics all the time. And people are so patient and tolerant with us, and, and they still tell us. And they, they still call every in. Week. They, they tell <laughs> us they listen every week. They say, the best part of my Saturday is listening to bird talk. And I tell them. Get a life. They're going to lose respect for you if you tell people. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that to I, well, guys, I tell you what, this has been wonderful. Super appreciated, David and Scott, that you guys took the time and, and joined us. And it turned out better than I even imagined, and I had pretty high hopes. So thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on Nature Center with Brian and I. It's been a absolute riot. Oh, definitely. I love having you guys here. Thanks for coming. And for all our listeners, I mean, you can go to our show notes, and you can find birdtalkguys.com. So you can listen into these guys as much as you want. You could even just remember what was that, David? Saturdays from noon to one is the, the, the highest ratings <laughs> that uh, your show gets. So on that station on at that, station. that time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, John and Brian, we really enjoyed uh, visiting with you. We'd love to have you come on our show sometime and we'll get that set up too. And uh, uh, remember uh, to stay nature centered. Absolutely. Well, we'll we try, appreciate that. And we'll try not to drag your ratings down, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what ratings? <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research on some really challenging questions. <laughs> it's our honor to be on your show. And, uh, you know, we love your show. Your podcast is uh, so informative. And uh, we're, we're fortunate to have known you guys for our history in the franchise because you two have brought us the kind of information that allows us to do what we do. Well, that's the fun part of it. And thank you. We appreciate that. And the check's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brian, what do you think? Time to wrap it up? Yeah, all our listeners, I hope you get a chance. Go listen to some of their shows. You can find them online. 
at birdtalkguys.com. Uh, and you can listen to them live on, uh, on the radio or on Facebook, if you're too far away from a radio station. And uh, check them out. But also for our Nature Center podcast, you know, feel free to give us uh, some ratings and even leave some, some comments for us. We'd love to hear what you think about our guests today and future guests. Yeah, thanks everybody for joining us for this episode of Nature Centered. And please join us next time. We're going to talk, as we kind of mentioned today, a little bit about being seasonally savvy. So until then, we want to let nature be our guide and we ask you to please be safe and take care. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nature Centered. To subscribe to this podcast, for show notes, or to connect with the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. Until we meet again, take some time to relax, enjoy the birds, get out in your backyard, and stay nature-centered.